1: You're listening to SpursCast, episode 649. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the SpursCast. Today, I'll be going solo for this episode. In this episode, I will look back at the Spurs' last seven games and how the team's currently doing. I'll review some late-season roster moves and look ahead to the Spurs' chances of making the play-in tournament. Let's jump right into this episode, episode 649. So I know it's been quite a while since I've recorded uh, SpursCast, episode. it's almost been a month. It's been a few weeks here. Uh, so I kind of want to review how the team's doing since I last recorded and then just kind of give some observations on on what I've seen uh, from the team, and then also like like I said earlier, some of those late uh, roster moves, and and then their chances of making the playoff, They're not the playoffs, but the uh, play in game. All right, so let's begin with uh, the Spurs' last seven games since the last recording episode, way back on February seventeenth. So this is right around All Star break. So since that since that last recording uh, back on February seventeenth, the Spurs have gone two and five in their last uh, yeah in the last seven games. So I don't want to review every single game because that's a lot of that's a lot of games to review seven games specifically. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to focus on reviewing uh, the games from this past week. And I am recording this. I want to note on a Thursday evening. Uh, so let's go back to Monday this week. The Spurs picked up a win. They ended their four game losing streak that they were on uh, with a win against the Los Angeles Lakers. They won by seven points in this game. The Spurs were favored. And the big reason why they were favored in this game is because uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis were both out for L.A uh the spurs led by 14 they had they had control for most of the game however the lakers didn't get it close by forcing the game to go down to crunch time but the spurs were able to hold on and pull off uh, one of those rare crunch time wins so so the team get, did get this win against the lakers on monday then uh one other significant factor in that in that win was that with that win that was that was win number 1335 for coach pop uh, in terms of all the years that he's been coaching in the regular season, and so because of that, he actually tied Don Nelson for the, for the all-time wins record in the regular season. So basically, now the not pressure, but the next win is going to be a big deal here. Whenever the Spurs pick it up, because um, you know that's going to break the record. Pop will be at thirteen thirty-six wins. So let's go to Wednesday. The Spurs have a chance to um, to to basically break the record and get Pop that that final win. However, the Raptors were very aware of this. Uh, Coach Nick Nurse was kind of asked about it for uh, before the game. And then after the game ended, uh, multiple Toronto players basically said that they they didn't want to be that team that lets that that record be broken against them. So what ends up happening is um, the Raptors uh, had listed Fred Van Vliet as uh, questionable before the game. However, Coach Nurse did say he would play. And and Van Vliet had had a magnificent performance coming off for Toronto. He really helped them out. Uh, And so so Toronto basically took control here. Uh, It was a pretty close game. But then in the third quarter, uh, DeJounte Murray got injured. uh, on a play, it was a collision with, the, with another Raptors player, uh, Kem Birch. Uh, Birch's tooth actually chipped DeJounte's head, and then DeJounte and Birch both had to leave the game. Uh, so when DeJounte left, the Spurs basically lost control, and they, they went down by, by, by double digits. He comes back. They, they get it close again, but then uh, in the fourth quarter, the Raptors kind of took control. They ended up leading by by, um, by 17 points at one point in the fourth, uh, and, and they picked up a 15-point win, very comfortable, where where Coach Pop had to send a lot, a lot of the reserve players um toward the end. And Murray was able to finish the game, but um, and he's and he did tell us uh, the media that he didn't need stitches, uh, but he did have like a big gash on on top of his forehead. So, so Murray was able to play and uh, to finish that game, but but the Raptors, like I said, uh, picked up that win, and and, and so they prevented Coach Pop from getting those uh, that big um, historic win of thirteen thirty six wins overall. Uh and so um you know how do they do that they kind of you know it, it's it's tough, it's tough for them being a being a, a team with a losing record at a, right now the Spurs they according to Vegas they were supposed to go 3 and 4 in these last 7 they end up going 2 and 5 so not so not not too far off from where Vegas kind of projected them the big loss for them this past um in these past 7 games was that loss at home to the Sacramento Kings the Spurs were four favorite to win that game and they didn't win that game so that was a, that was the main issue there but again they they kind of won the, the rest of the games they were supposed to win and they lost the games that you know they were supposed to lose uh, unfortunately for them. So where do they stand right now at, at the pause of the season through sixty six games? They are now twenty five and forty one on the season. They are still in twelfth place out west. So kind of they've kind of been hovering in that twelfth range for a long time now. For basically the last three weeks from when I last recorded, um, they're still two games behind uh, the Pelicans now for tenth out west. It was the 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 Blazers before that, but Portland's kind of starting to spiral here down the stretch as well. Uh, so there's still two games behind the the um, Pelicans. I'm going to get into some details of exactly what the Spurs need to do and what the projections say about the Pelicans and the other teams in front of them for the for the playing game. Uh, as far as their lottery chances, they still have the seventh the seventh worst record. So again, that's kind of stayed the same where they've been having this the seventh worst record. Uh, it's really late in the season to, to intentionally try to tank and try to you know do better. Uh, have a have a worse record basically than like the Pistons or the Magic or or the Thunder you know that's going to be really difficult for someone like San Antonio so 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 they're better off at this point just trying to play for that play-in tournament but you know if, if they don't get there well then hey you get a top 10 lottery pick if you can't get into the play in the tournament and so what do we know about the the seventh um, worst record right now that that would project to have the a 34 percent chance at a top four pick and a eight percent chance at number one uh, how is their team doing overall you know on both ends of the ball they are now 15th on offense. Uh, they were 14th, so they slipped just one place. So they're about a league average offense right now overall for the season through 66 games. They are also 19th on defense, so they slipped a bit there. Uh, and they were 18th when I last recorded about three weeks ago. So, so again, there's been a little bit of slippage on, on both ends. Uh, but kind of staying, you know, not significant. And, and I do want to kind of note... Um, how the team's doing since the trade deadline? Since you know they lost a, a big piece in, of their team in Derek White, uh, so you know offensively they're still you know they're still they're still humming along. They're still a really good offense. That's that's something that I've noticed that a lot of coaches um bring up is you know how do we stop san antonio's attack just thinking about nick nurse recently he basically said you know our goal against them is to try to, uh, to keep the pain away from them that, that you know they, they're, the, they're the second best team in terms of getting points in the paint and so that was one of the raptors uh, big focuses and they did a great job of that toronto because the spurs had had an underwhelming night uh, in the paint with i think just 46 points which is way below their season average um so, again, that's kind of what I've noticed is a lot of different teams, uh, the opposing coaches and also players, they, they basically talk about the Spurs' offense. Like, that's like a. Uh, Eric Sposter had a good quote recently when, when the Spurs uh, played the Miami Heat, where he basically said, you know, th- they do something where a lot of teams don't do these days, which is a lot of driving kick action, but like multiple, like like in one possession, you could see like three or four Spurs players attack you on, on defense in terms of driving it. Uh, obviously, we know they get out on the break. And so it's just been really uh, interesting that. You know, prior to the season, a lot of projections were that this was going to be a top 10 defense, uh, most likely. But instead, it's actually been the offense. Again, when you look at just the data from uh, past the trade deadline, so from February 11th up till today, which is March 10th, uh, they actually have a top 10 offense right now during that time frame. They're scoring 115.4 points per 100, which is ninth. And then it's the defense that's really slipped up where they really had a lot of uh, just, you know, it's almost like they've settled for these bad defensive nights where, the, where they're holding, um, they're allowing teams to score 115.8 points per 100, which is 22nd uh, since the uh, trade deadline. So, again, the, the defense has been a, a constant problem, and I think that at, on most nights it's it's when they're, they're beating their opponents by um, with, with the offense without scoring them and really getting a lot of their shots in the paint. Uh, also, they've increased their free throws. They're having some trouble at the three-point line. That's, that's something that's very notable. Uh, with Derek White gone, I'm not sure if that's because of, you know, just having that second playmaker besides DeJounte who can help break down a defense. If that's having an effect, I, I've noticed that a lot of the players on the roster there are... Their um, wide open three point percentage has gone down. I think it's like nine or ten games in a row where they haven't hit their their team average and accuracy on the wide open threes. And so just looking at some of the players, kind of where they stand. So like now that we've seen you know a good eleven games since uh since the trade went down uh, with Derek White, we can kind of tell you know what what's happening with some of the individual players. And I'm just going to focus here more so on the offensive end. We know that Dejounte has really increased his scoring now that he's the main scorer, the main go to player for the Spurs. Um, he's averaging 25.7 points since the the trade deadline. Uh, he's still putting up, you know, his other numbers: ten and a half assists, eight point six rebounds, uh, two point eight turnovers, two point two steals. So he's still bringing on the defensive end. So, so Dejounte has really gone up to another level, and it's really interesting because Coach Pop and other coaches have mentioned how. How Dejounte now? Now that he's an All Star, he's starting to see a lot more different defensive coverages. And Coach Pop kind of wants him to um to learn on the fly, where basically said, you know, he's not he's not afraid to throw him into the fire. Like saying, you know, you may see a lot of hedging it on 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 certain possessions, and you might see double teaming, you might see traps. And so we've seen these different defensive outlooks for Dejounte, you know, post uh, post trade like or post All Star break, I guess you could say, because now you know he's been he's been a guy who's kind of been in the limelight. Now he had he had a really good All Star performance. Uh, you know, where he was doing some, some crazy dunks and, and had some, some alley-oop dunks and things like that, and he got up and down the floor. With a lot of those players, so now he's a very notable player for other other teams. And so Coach Pop has mentioned how um you know different d- defenses are throwing different schemes at him, and this is really good. You know even if the Spurs can't get into the playoffs, the fact that Dejounte is able to see these things now, uh, how how teams are guarding him in so many different ways, so he can learn how to pick them apart and adjust his game so that next year next season, uh, if they have a more competitive team, well then he knows how to handle those situations where, where where if he's being targeted as a lone playmaker for San Antonio, uh, he's able to do that. We've also seen Keldon Johnson take a big leap here. Um you know since since De- Derek got traded where he's averaging 19.4 points per game since uh, the trade deadline and Kelden actually had a really big game. He had a career high 33 points recently, and that's actually the most 33 points is the most any spur has scored in a game this entire season. So, so Kelton's uh, ha- had a big of a jump. I really noticed an, an uptick in his three ball where he's, he's actually averaging six and a half attempts uh, before the, the, the trade deadline. It was about four and 4.4 4 attempts. His percent, his accuracy has gone down just a bit, but he's still one of the top shooters on the team. So Keldon's really um, made a big jump here. Something else I've noticed when looking at the data is, um, his driving, he's he's starting before, um you know, the trade deadline, he was a few weeks ago. He was actually having trouble where, yes, he taxed in the paint. That's his favorite shot is to, to drive and, you know, try to draw contact. But he was actually wasn't finishing in the paint. Uh, with over a point per shot, he was basically shooting below fifty percent of the paint. That's really that's really not a good number when you when you're when you're when you're somebody who's attacking the paint, the closest shot to the basket, and you're not um you know you're not getting at least a point per shot. Well, now that's actually changed. He's actually getting uh, I think it's one point zero two points per shot when I last checked the data. So he's actually become a better finisher lately, and I think it's just the fact that he's he's attacking a lot closer on his drives. He's getting as close as he can uh, for layups or or dunk attempts instead of having to settle for a lot of those floater uh, mid range. uh, Not not mid range, but floater um non. Unrestricted area type shot. So I know that um, we, we've seen a, a, an increase in Kelden's point production. Uh, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, you know, he's had a, he's had a great um, uh, stretch of games ever since the, the All-Star break where he's averaging um, or since the trade deadline where he's averaging 17.2 points per game off the bench. Uh, and so he's played in 10 of the team's 11 games. Um, and he's really just doing doing a lot of different things where he's attacking. Uh, he, he's, being, he's been a, a more aggressive player. He's talked about where uh, just recently where he thinks he's finally turned the corner where he says that he has the support of his teammates of the coaching staff that they really want him to be aggressive. And, you know, he even said he he, he himself can become a microwave type scorer where he can really just go off in a quarter for, for you know, multiple possessions of scoring. And, and we've seen that from, from him at times when the Spurs really, really need a bucket. It's Lonnie who they're, who they're looking to uh, uh, on certain possessions. So, um, so Lonnie's kind of, uh, uh, really had a, had a good bounce back here in these last ten games that he's played in, and this is big for him because, like like we mentioned before, he can become either a um, restricted free agent if the Spurs tender him a qualifying offer, or he if they don't do that, well then hey, he's, he he becomes one of those unrestricted free agents out on the market uh, this this upcoming summer. Solani has has a lot to play for here in these last uh, sixteen games that the Spurs have. College basketball fans join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If They win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, Who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Jakob Pirtles also, you know, still continued to do what he does, which is basically score in the paint. You know, it's very efficient at that little pick and pop shot, those those putbacks on his offensive rebounds, um, just a good roller to the to the rim. So Jakob's averaging fifteen point two points per game since uh since the um the trade deadline. So he's he's really increased the scoring load and just being very efficient when he does uh, try to score. Devin uh, Vassell has, has increased his scoring to thirteen point four points per game. It's not a huge jump from when he was coming off the bench. But there is a little bit more opportunity for him to ch- kind of drive and playmaking, and, and just like Dejounte, this is a really good opportunity for Devin right now to see more, you know, w- you know, more possessions of, of, of having to be the, the the player who has to break down the defense and try to either get a shot for himself or his, for his teammates, and so he's kind of learning here on the fly uh, with the with these new games. Um, Doug McDermott at eleven point two points, and then we've seen just some of the other players. Uh, Romeo Lankford had had a game he got to play in. Uh, Josh Richardson's been uh, been getting some minutes now that some players have been in and out of the lineup. So he's averaging six points uh, since the trade deadline. So, so again, um, we're seeing some, some different individual um, players making some different progressions. I wouldn't say not everybody's making growth, but just again, it's just that opportunity that, that they're all getting a little bit more opportunity now uh, with, with, with their, with, yeah, with with Derek on. So a a player who took a lot of possessions, uh, you know, and had a lot of responsibility for this team. Now they're, now these other players are getting to, to to get those opportunities here with these last, uh, you know, 16, uh, which is really 26 games uh, before before I started discussing this data. So, again, the Spurs are just one win shy of getting Coach Pop that um, that next, that, that, that record of 1,336 wins. So, again, they're very close. They're on the verge of it. And th- that could be broken this weekend. You know, maybe it happens Friday. They play the Utah Jazz. That's, that's going to be a very difficult game for them. To um, you know that they won't be favored in this game. So, so that that's one opportunity. Then, then of course, there's Saturday against Indiana, who's you know an, an under 500 team. So there's a better chance, most likely on Saturday, for San Antonio to to try to, to try to um get pop that record. Um, you know, just considering Indiana, they 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 are you know a new team with diff- new faces now that after the uh, trade deadline as well. Uh, and so again, you know, we, we'll kind of see. Just we just know that that next win is the one that that pop um gets that that that, that big uh record here with that 1336 wins. Um so then I, I so, you know since the last recorded, there have been uh, some other um moves for the Spurs team. Uh one thing they did was they made some some very rare late season roster moves. Uh back on March 4th, the uh actually let's go back to February 26th. Back on February 26th, the Spurs reached a um, buyout agreement with Thomas Saturansky, who they had um recently uh, acquired at the trade deadline. Uh so Saturansky was bought out, you know, he gave some money back to San Antonio, then they waived him and uh he he was um he ended up signing with Washington to finish out the season with the Wizards. So then uh, the Spurs also made some some other moves on March 4th. They uh, converted the contracts, the two-way contracts of Joe Wieskamp, the uh, second-round pick from this past draft, and Devontae Kaycock, To standard NBA contracts. So now again, there was a bump, uh, there was an upgrade there uh, in terms of the contracts for for Camp and Kaycock. And then they also, since they had two open spots, uh, two open G League spots for the two way contracts, they signed DJ Stewart Jr. and Robert Woodard II. And uh, Woodard II is notable because he's had some experience with the um, Austin Spurs when when um, back during the, the G League bubble. I think it was a year or two ago, um, uh, Sacramento didn't send a team over there. So, so the Spurs, uh, the San, the Austin Spurs allowed Woodard the second to play with San Antonio so, um, with, with Austin. So he got to know some of those, some of those players, their system, things like that, things like that. Uh, so far, Stewart and Woodard have been mates, basically mainly stayed with Austin. The Spurs haven't called them up yet. However, Wieskamp and Kaycock have had their chances now, uh, now that they're full NBA, um, uh, standard contract players to, to come up to San Antonio team and, um, you know, get their opportunities, um, just what we you know what's notable about about changing their contracts those two players Wieskamp and Kaycock from two-way to um to to full NBA contracts well what's notable is that um you know the Spurs can now make both players restricted free agents uh in this this coming off season they're going to have 1.8 million dollar qualifying offers if the Spurs tender them a qualifying offer and because they're both with their first year with the Spurs they have non-bird rights with San Antonio so that just means that if the Spurs were to operate as a team over the salary cap, uh, then the, the Spurs could go over the cap to re-sign, um, one or both of those players if they wanted to. Now we, we project the Spurs aren't going to be a, play, a team under the, over the cap. We think they're going to be under the cap and have a lot of cap space that they can open up. So, so that really shouldn't matter, those cap holds. But again, it's just something where they wanted to try to, uh, have some sort of security and trying to, to, to um, re-sign either Wieskamp or Kaycock. They they could make them restricted free agents and then basically make other teams try to have to um you know work to sign them where they can't just outright sign them. They would have to. San Antonio would have that ability to match within forty eight hours of those players getting a deal. Uh, you know, as far as those those two contracts turning into full NBA contracts, it doesn't really change the Spurs' cap space projection. Again, if they wanted to go to a route of opening cap space this coming summer, they can still do that. Uh, opening anywhere from minimum 12 million to maximum 33 million right now is where it stands, the cap space projection. So again, that doesn't really change too much. They would just basically have less cap space if they sign one or both of those players, Wieskamp and Kaycock. So again, that's kind of what's happening with the uh, their cap space projections with those two roster moves. Uh, and then just just an update on where their, their picks stand. Like I mentioned earlier, the Spurs' pick is right now projected to go 7th uh, if the season ended today. That Raptors pick they acquired in those trade uh, the trade deadline is is projected to go 17th, so it should still convey to San Antonio, and then also the Boston pick is now um, projected to go 20th. So again. Uh, as long as toronto and boston stay as winning teams the spurs are going to have a really good chance here of um of basically getting those two picks and having basically three picks to use in the draft this year whether they want to draft three players in the first round or maybe they want to try to to make a trade of putting all three picks together and trying to move up in, in in the draft for maybe like a top 5 or top 3 player um you know again who knows what those scenarios will be but again san antonio has a lot more flexibility uh now that that those um that that, that they have those those three picks come uh, most likely coming in this coming at um, this coming NBA draft this off season. All right. So for our final topic here, uh, I know that it's only 16 games left in the regular season. So I kind of just wanted to go through, um, you know, what are the Spurs' chances of, of getting into the playoff play in game? You know, how realistic does that look? How far are, are they from, from the teams ahead of them? And so what I've done is I, I've kind of built a model where I, I kind of have every single team from, um, basically from number four through number through number 13 out West. And I know the Spurs are going to, you know, it's very unlikely they're going to catch like Utah and the Clippers and, and, um, you know, the Mavericks. So, so those teams, I'm not really going to get into the details of what the Spurs would have to do to pass those teams up. Cause those teams are eventually just going to win so many more games that, that San Antonio won't have a chance to catch them. But there are those teams like the Lakers who are ninth, the Pelicans who are 10th, the Blazers who are 11th and then, uh, the Spurs are 12th and then the Kings who are 13th, one game, uh, I mean, one, one um, standing behind San Antonio here, uh, who, who I do want to monitor, you know, what are their what are their projections look like and, and what is it, what will it take for San Antonio to finish ahead of some of these teams to, to try to get either the ninth seed in the playing game or the 10th seed. And so let's first begin with the team that's, that's uh, in ninth and that's the Lakers. As I'm recording this on Thursday evening, the Spurs are three and a half games behind the Lakers in the standings. Uh, they're two games behind the Pelicans for 10th. They're uh, they're a half game behind Portland for 11th, and then they're two games ahead of the Kings, uh, who are at 13th. So if we just take the Lakers' current win projection, they are projected in their final 17 games. The Lakers are expected to go seven and ten. If the Lakers do that, this is a very tough route for San Antonio to to, to move ahead of them and finish ahead of them. So this, if, if the Lakers go seven and ten down the stretch here. The Spurs would need to go eleven and five to finish the year. That's very difficult at task for San Antonio to go eleven and five when this is a team who I just mentioned earlier is, is two and five in the last seven. So, so, so that is is a very difficult road for them. The Pelicans are projected to go six and ten here to end the year, and this is also a difficult road for San Antonio. If the, if the Pelicans do go six and ten, well then for the Spurs to finish ahead of them, they need to go eight and eight. So that's asking this San Antonio team who is currently an under 500 team to go eight and eight, a five a go, go 500 basically in the last 16 games. And that's also a very, a very uh, tall task to, to ask the San Antonio team. The Blazers are kind of, um, you know, spiraling, spiraling right now. Um, they're projected to go six and 11 uh, right now to end of the year. The Spurs, it would just need to go six and 10. So that, that's kind of what San Antonio is expected to go anyway, six and 10 here in the last 16 games. So so they're, it looks like they're on track right now to catch Portland or, or move ahead of them. The Kings are projected to go four and ten in the year. Uh, in their final fourteen games, they're running out of games, by the way, Sacramento. And so the Spurs can go basically four and twelve at worst, and the Kings would never finish ahead of them. So, so they have some pretty good. Uh, they have a good uh, um, space ahead of Sacramento, and like I said, it, it just looks like they're going to eventually catch Portland. Or, or um, yeah, they sh- they should be fine against Portland. Now, um, let's let's see. Uh, you know, so so what does this mean? It's really about the, the Lakers and the Pelicans, and so. They really can't let the Lakers go seven and ten here. That's going to be really hard. If the Lakers go seven and ten down the stretch, uh, they, the Spurs really need them to finish worse because that that's hard for San Antonio to go eleven and five. So, so they really need the, the, the Lakers to really free fall here. And the Lakers might be on that path right now. We do know that they are two and eight in their last ten games. They're on. A, they're currently on a two-game losing streak. We know that Anthony Davis was, was projected to be out back on February 17th for four weeks. So, so that's just when he would be reevaluated after four weeks. So, so that fourth week hasn't have, hasn't even approached for Anthony Davis. However, they still have LeBron, and they uh, and so LeBron has kind of been day to day. We saw that he missed that game against San Antonio recently. Uh, with, with I think it's like a knee injury, but then he could play in the, in the next game. So the fact that they have LeBron still gives them a really good chance of, of reaching that seven and 10 or, or finishing better. So, so again, they kind of, the Spurs need the Lakers to, to really struggle here down the stretch worse than seven and 10 uh, for, for San Antonio to, to leapfrog them and and get ahead in the standings uh, of the Lakers. Same thing for the Pelicans. The, the Spurs do need New Orleans to fall a little bit more than just six and 10. Uh, the Pelicans are having some trouble right now. They are, they are five and five in their last 10 games they're on a three-game losing streak, and they also um they, they're also going to be without Brandon Ingram uh for some time where he's going to be reevaluated in seven to ten days. That was announced on um, on Wednesday. So again, seven to ten seven to ten days he gets reevaluated, but that doesn't quite guarantee that he'll be back yet with New Orleans. So um you know so again they they kind of need the Lakers and the Pelicans to to finish worse than what they're projected to go uh in order for San Antonio. Uh, to to try to finish it with the record ahead of them, unless of course the Spurs play amazing basketball and again go either eleven and five or eight and eight. That, that but again that's asking a lot from the San Antonio team that that hasn't really shown that they can do that uh, this season for a, for a long stretch. So again that's kind of the the road uh, where where um, things stand. But of, of, of the Spurs trying to get into that playing game uh, in terms of the tiebreakers, where everything stands. The Lakers uh, finished the year with the Spurs 2-2 two two against each other. So if they were to tie for a spot in the playing game, the conference record will be used, the Western Conference record for both teams against uh, you know their Western Conference opponents. So in that case, the Lakers probably have a, have an advantage there. Uh, as far as the Pelicans, the Spurs kind of control their own destiny here. The Spurs are currently 2-0 oh against the Pelicans so far this season, and they do have two games remaining. So again, the Spurs can control whether or not uh, they they want to have that tiebreaker um, against New Orleans if they can win those those final two games. Uh, same thing with the Blazers where the Spurs are 1-0 so far against the Blazers and they have three games left. But like I mentioned, Portland's kind of heading in, in the wrong direction. They're having a lot of trouble right now. They're currently 4-6 um, and six in the last 10, but they are on a six-game losing streak. And then the Kings, they did win the tiebreaker. But like I mentioned earlier, it's really it's a it's a it's a tough uh, mountain to climb if you're Sacramento trying to finish ahead of San Antonio. So, again, I, I think that that they're they're definitely in play, the Lakers and Pelicans for those ninth and tenth spots for San Antonio to, to, to move ahead of them. But it's really, really tough for them. Now, so one last factor to consider uh, with with these four teams is that or five teams is that. The Lakers do have, according to Tankathon, the hardest schedule remaining in the NBA. So again, that's that's one thing that, that helps the Spurs is that the Lakers have a very very um, hard schedule, the most difficult in the NBA. The Pelicans have have one of the easier schedules. They have the 26th hardest schedule. Uh, so basically, the fourth easiest schedule to, to end the year. So so the Pelicans are are uh, you know that's going to help them out even if they lose Ingram. The Blazers have the easiest schedule in the league um, to finish uh, the season, and then the Spurs have the, have the 19th hardest schedule. And the Kings have the fifth hardest schedule. So again, Sacramento's going to have uh, just like the Lakers, they're going to have a tough stretch here to end the year. So again, th- these are just some things to to monitor. Um, when when you factor in whether or not the Spurs are going to be able to um, you know, move ahead of either the Lakers and Pelicans and get back into that playing game like they were last season, or like I mentioned, you know, if, if they can't get into the playing game, well then hey, they're they're going to get a top ten pick um, most likely. You know, they're gonna they're gonna end up in the lottery. Uh, you know, if it ended today, that would be that would be seventh, which gives you a, a, a good percentage at, at a top four pick or, or the top overall pick. So again, we'll kind of just monitor and see. I know that there's only 16 games left uh, uh, for for the Spurs team, and we'll, we'll see if they can make it back into the playing game and try to get into the playoffs, or if they end up, you know, with a really uh, the top 10 lottery pick here. Uh, don't forget to visit projectspurs.com. Spurscast listeners, um, Stephen Michael continues to provide us game by game analysis with this with the season winding down here. Um, Benjamin Bornstein, of course, is getting ready for the draft uh, with the Spurs pros- prospect watch series, and I know that March Madness is coming up, so uh, make sure you check out Ben's work. Um, a lot of the, pro- the, the the draft prospects that he's written up are going to be playing, um, you know, soon here in, in, in March Madness when that tournament kicks off. So that'll be something to watch. Uh, and then also, once the season officially ends, the regular season for the Spurs, and, and you know it, whether or not they get into the playoffs, and once their their season basically ends, uh, I will be again bringing back the Project Spurs uh, draft board. So this is something that I've been doing the last two years. I really like it where we kind of show some projections from different um, draft draft boards, um, you know, reputable draft boards, and show where where they're showing picks, um, and then I you know have a bunch of different stats and things like that, and and just something I noticed the other day, I was looking up Weis Camp and um, Josh Primo's three point percentage. And um, you know the, the model that I built last year, I had, I had basically I, I don't even remember how I did the formula, but I, I found some formula where I, I I kind of gave a projection of where they would be at the NBA level, and sure enough, Wieskamp and and, um, and, and Primo were kind of right on, on right on where, where the model had said they would be. So it's kind of tra- uh, transferring over a little bit some of those stats. So again, I'll have that that project Spurs draft board up uh, for for the Spurs. Um, once um, once the, the regular season officially ends, and again, it's going to be really interesting this year to watch uh, the San Antonio team in the draft because, like I said, they could have they could have three first round picks this year, or they, they might you know try to package them all together and try to try to jump into like the top three, top five. So, so again, that's just something to monitor uh, here here with the Spurs. Thanks for listening to Spurs for this episode of the Spurs Cast, and to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode. All of the Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.